I love that Ted was also kind of with it, kind of woke. You the, know that meal plan was, was racist. racist. Right? I would have been at Dr. X's happening. For sure, at midnight on a Monday. Caitlin. Oh, hi, Kate. How are you? Good. This has been a hardcore, hey, beautiful day. It really has. All day long, I've been getting to like chat with you, look at your beautiful face. Yeah, your beautiful voice. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's been awesome. Um, For those of you just joining us for the first time, we are Hey Beautiful, the only podcast that's recapping every single episode of How I Met Your Mother, your favorite show and ours. One at a time, no spoilers. Um, Today's a freaking huge day in podcast history for us. Mm -hmm. Um, Earlier today, Caitlin and I realized a dream that we have been chasing for... Three and a half seasons over two years. As you all know, we love and celebrate lady writers on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, we have the air horn and everything. And we finally got to interview a lady writer from How I Met Your Mother, and not just any lady writer. Not just any lady writer, Kate. Who was we it? We got to interview. Oh, drum roll, please. Drum roll. Oh! <laughs> Gloria Calderon Kellett. Oh. And the drum roll will make sense when you listen to the interview. I was really proud of that myself for that. really, really good, Caitlin. I'm so really proud of you. Thank you. Um, it was wonderful. We already talked to our patrons about how awesome it was because we did our interview, hopped off the interview, and right into our, our uh, July private live stream salute. So, yeah, there's not really much more to say. You're going to hear a piece of the interview tonight or today, whenever you're listening to this. And then the rest of it, and it's 34 minutes long, will be up on Patreon already. So if you're hearing this, you can become a patron and listen to our full-length, uncut interview with Gloria. You're going to want to because she is just so damn smart and so generous and compassionate and plugged in. So cool. So fucking cool. She's everything. We had a blast talking to her. And yeah, so that's all I'm going to say. She knows what the fuck is up. She's out here grinding. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you have any interest in this show, first of all, but also if you are a writer or any kind of creative, it's it's an awesome interview if we don't say so ourselves. (laughs) Mostly because of her. So there's that. Um... Let's see what else. Little things, because nothing else matters but that. No. We hit over 1,600 followers on Twitter. <gasps> Woohoo! That's Woo-hoo! amazing. Which is great. So thank you, everybody, for continuing to talk about us and share us with your friends. We are what we like to call a slow burn, mm-hmm. you know? Growing slowly, but surely. I mean... I remember LOL, being yes we are. LOL, yes we are. I remember being anxious to hit a thousand, mm-hmm. you know? That was so, big. 
That was huge. And now we're over halfway to 2000. So thank you guys. Every tweet you do about us, every friend you tell about us, your iTunes reviews, everything you're doing is helping us grow and helping us have enough legitimacy mm-hmm. to get bigger and bigger interviews like Miss Calderon Kellett. So thank you all so much for all that you're doing. I don't have much else to say. We're talking about the possible today. Whew. That's tough to it's, say. It's a great episode. We have 13 legendary moments from our listeners. So let's get into it. This episode of Hey Beautiful is brought to you by our Patreon Almighty Five Level members, Russell, Tish, Johnny, and Ben. Thanks to all of our patrons for the support of the show. Don't forget, our Patreon works on a sliding scale. You give what you can each month and you'll receive all the perks we offer, like private live streams with us and fucking full-length interviews with fat-ass lady writers. You can just join for as little as $2 a month at patreon.com slash heybeautifulpod. Oh, Caitlin, I just got a really sweet message. You did? What's it say, girl? One of our listeners just told us that they just got their cookies from <sighs> Rachel's Cookies and Treats. Woohoo! That's amazing. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to find out what they got because you know what my favorites are. That lemon. Them lemon, known as lemon. Oh, but you know what? I'm digging on the molasses, the brownies. I'm on a big molasses kick lately. Like, I cannot get enough. Something about that spiciness to it with the ginger and just, oh, delicious. They got they got biscotti. They got chocolate chip. Oatmeal chocolate chip. Oatmeal chocolate chip, which is, like, a game changer and absolutely in my freezer. Yeah, don't forget, friends, they freeze. So when you go to their website and you can't make a decision, it's okay because yeah. they hooked us up with a super sweet discount. And they freeze well. So you can have cookies for a very long time. 25% off if you use this code. Hope you're writing it down. H-B-F-A-M. H-B-F-A-M. All caps. You get 25% off your order. And it's already affordable. So this is huge. totally great deal. You can stock your freezer, as I have, for a very reasonable price. Or... Send some cookies to your best friend. Mm-hmm. And nothing says I love you like the gift of a sweet treat. Buying something from Rachel's Cookies and Treats, you are supporting a small family-owned and operated business, a woman-owned business. They use all real ingredients, no preservatives. Each cookie entry is handmade. You can watch them do it on their Instagram yeah. and in small batches so you get like the best flavor. It is so consistent every single time. And Rachel's Cookies and Treats will ship anywhere in the continental u.s what are you waiting for friends every second you delay is another second those you're not eating those cookies highly recommend (laughs) and you can reuse the code so there's literally no downside go to rachelscookiesandtreats.com use the code hbfam to get 25 percent off your order and thank us later this is season four episode 14 possimpable It first aired on February 2nd, 2009. Our writer is Jonathan Groff, not the Jonathan Groff from Hamilton. And our director, 
of this episode is Pam Fryman. Now, Caitlin, do you have any information about Jonathan Groff? Yeah, so the writer? Um, he has written, uh, he wrote, I'm not that guy and everything must go. This is it for him. We won't see any more episodes written mm. by him. Um, but he is now a writer and executive director for Blackish, which is oh, good cool. for him, I think. Yeah. Good for him. He's found good a job. little home there, it seems like. Very successful show. Yeah. Good show. Very clever. We kick off with the gang going through Robin's fan mail from Metro News 1. And we get this check-in that she has now been unemployed for four months. And there's a real theme in season four of unemployment. Mm -hmm. First we have Marshall. Now we have Robin. There is more unemployment coming down the pike. And it makes sense because 2009 was in the heat of the recession. Yeah. Right. So whether they did it on purpose or it was more, you know, just part of the zeitgeist and that Mm -hmm. was sort of what they kept thinking of. I think it's very interesting and very, very timely and also pretty fucking timely right now with (sighs) unemployment like Mm -hmm. through the roof. We find out we get a little more character information about Robin, which is that she used to date prisoners when she was 19. (laughs) 19. (laughs) Whoops. Oops. And they're all watching TV while they're going through the mail and it, the lotto girl comes on. So it's the nightly lotto drawing with the girl, young lady, um, drawing the, the numbers. So it's this quote unquote TV personality gig that seems to have no skill required. Where broadcast careers go to die. Robin right. Says. So yeah. Robin's Robin's super condescending about it. So if you know anything about How I Met Your Mother, you know that this is going to pay off mm-hmm. later. Um, with her having to sort of eat some humble pie. And it's a cute little bit here of Barney using the numbers as they come up <laughs> to tell us this poor girl's wayward story. And it 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 felt very Letterman. You know how he or even um, Johnny Carson, hmm. how he would get like the word and he yeah. had to like guess what it was. And we've seen Barney do it with the envelope before. So it just it was cute. Um you know, very stereotypical, but that's fine. That's okay. So, like you said, um, Robin's been unemployed for four months, but she's not totally without options. So we see her arriving at McLaren's to tell everyone about an interview she had. Um, and it was just down to two other girls and Robin. And we get this flashback um, to Robin sitting in, like, the waiting area. And she happens to talk to the women who are next to her. One woman is named Rochelle. I can't remember the other woman's name, but Rochelle, I was fascinated by. She's played by Mm. Angela Martinez. She has 34 credits to her name on IMDb, and most of those are reporter, correspondent, newscaster, reporter number one, two, three, morning TV show host. So you know she's got a thing. She's got that voice. Yeah, because I think that's why I had to look her up. I'm like, this bitch has to have been on, like, TV or something. You know what I mean? An actual newscaster, yeah. she has it down. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we find out that they totally got into Robin's head and psyched her out <laughs> for this interview by asking about what her sign-off would be because she is an at news anchor. She should have a killer sign-off. Mm-hmm. What would be your sign-off? Oh my god! I don't know. I don't. I think I would do what Robin did and keep it simple. Wear a condom. Yeah, absolutely. No, it would be may your path be lit with, with dreams. dreams. Also. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah. So we get to see Robin flub, and it's just so bad. And she just should have kept it true and honest to, like, herself. Yeah. I said she went full Miss South Carolina. Oh, God. Yes. (laughs) Oh, so bad. So bad. But, yeah, those girls smelt. They they smelt blood in the water when they saw Robin Oh, for sure. They knew what they were doing. And Robin totally walked right into uh, their trap. Um, yep. Back in the apartment, they are continuing to go through her mail, and Ted, you know, super helpful, says maybe there's something wrong with her resume, and mm-hmm. shows her his resume, which is super lean and mean. Mm, sure, Jan. And Yeah, right? And it then sparks this conversation about having some outdated information on your resume, because Ted still has program director for 88.1 Wesleyan Radio. And program director is a bit much. Did you read what it says, too? No, um, what does it say? It says something like, it says something like managed 40-something, like, unpaid DJs or something like that. <laughs> like, it's just... It's, oh, so maybe he really did do more than just Dr. X. But I think it was probably just some fluff. Mm, probably, yeah. Um, and Marshall and Lily immediately jump all over him and start <laughs> making fun of him for having Dr. X, who was a genius mystery DJ who changed the very face of college radio, shooting truth bullets and organizing Ooh. happenings. Um, Lily and Marshall tells the truth that his show sucked and nobody liked it and it was super lame. They did not. not, not, not. <laughs> <laughs> um, while going through the mail, it turns out that Robin's visa renewal application got mixed up with her fan mail and it was postmarked two months previous. So she's kind of fucked because she has seven days now to find a new job. What I wanted to say was that... I love that Ted was like a total dork, but was also kind of with it, kind of woke. Yeah. You know that meal plan was was racist. racist. Right? But I remember watching this and being like, yeah, right. But (laughs) now. Ten years ago, right? Yes, right. Every meal plan is fucking racist. I would have been at Dr. X's happening. For sure. At midnight on a Monday. (laughs) Oh, bless him. I love him bless so much. Him. So, yeah, so Robin's pretty screwed. She only has seven days to f- find a job. Um, Robin, uh, Lily suggests that Robin can get a job at her school, but uh, Marshall says it has to be a job in her field. So Marshall mm-hmm. then has the idea of she could marry a U.S. citizen. And in the <laughs> background, we see Barney, like, perk up, rise to his feet, get yeah. behind Robin and kneel down. And and as like you see him doing this, Marshall's kind of like talking it through, and then realizes that they'll never process that in time, and it would never right. work. And Barney seemed like he's crushed because he's like, poor yes, Barney. There, there he could, uh, you know, get his woman. Yeah. Um, again, Ted jumps in with another super helpful suggestion that you know maybe there's something on her reel that sucks. So they decide to look at that, and it's an August. First report in Canada, so full snow, of course. <laughs> and it's just full of Canadian charm with our cub reporter Robin talking about Lake Athabasca, which I looked up is real. It's an amazing place to fish. Ooh. And you can go on a all sorts of tours. It, this um, one that I looked at real quick was two nights, three days of a guided fishing tour for $3,200. <laughs> 
Oh my oh, god! I went deeper than that. Like I, I went in and looked because I was like thirty two hundred dollars. So then I looked at what it comes with. What are the amenities? From, well, not even all of them, but it does include your flights from Saskatoon uh, to Stony Rapids, which is five hundred oh. miles, two hours, and a twenty minute float plane transportation. Jesus you get breakfast Christ. and dinner, a noon shore lunch prepped by your guide, comfortable Ooh. and private cabins with separate be- uh, bedrooms. Like, there's a whole bunch Ooh, of stuff. Um, it sounds like Liz would love that. I, I was thinking of Liz. They even have 18-foot deluxe fishing boats with swivel-cushioned seats. Ooh, hang on one sec. Liz! Love of my life! <laughs> Elizabeth! Have you heard of Lake Athabasca? She says no. Oh. Never mind. Canada. It's Canada. Fishing. But it looks... I mean, they have, like, really long, much longer stays, much more intense things to do. It sounds like... I love that you you just did, like, a full deep dive on this. This is when I, really I read it again. That. I watched... I told Kate earlier, I watched this episode four times. Four times. I always watch them twice. And yeah. then the third time was because I was like, well... I don't know what else to watch. I might as well just watch this again. And then I decided, because I had watched it so long ago, mm-hmm. I decided to rewatch it one more time and then did a little bit. swept away. I did. I was like, hmm. In the Lake Athabasca charm, yeah. I did. And, you know, Marshall, our little Midwestern baby, totally understands why Robin would mm-hmm. want to show her roots and where she came yeah. from because... You know, under his special skills, he has the Nicolette County Dunk Champion. And (laughs) I read something that someone had said that it's really, you know, it's not the same county as St. Cloud. Hmm. However, when you look on his resume, it says that it was like a competition of like 11 counties or something like that. Oh, okay. So it was, you know, it was like a thing. It was a big deal. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> I, oh, I thought you had something to say. I, oh, I, was gonna, I was just going to say, I'm so glad we finally heard Vanilla Thunder. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So we get to hear about Marshall saying how he spins why this is important for his resume and that some companies have company teams and it would be good for it's them true. to know that Vanilla, they have Vanilla Thunder, the ghost in the post, the human turnstile. <laughs> so Kate, what would be your special skill? And if you need time to think, I'll, I can tell you what mine is. I know. I know what mine is. What is it? I'm a, I'm an annual jack-o'-lantern carving champion <gasps> I, I have at my to mom's agree. at my mom's friend's party <laughs> um yep i kick some children's asses every year so that's that's me they need to you're learn good. you're good though thank you thank you i really enjoy it um i think i'm retiring from the competition really? yeah because it takes me hours <laughs> And so I never get to enjoy the party. Like I started the first year I did the the jack-o'-lantern carving, I had gotten left mm. by my former wife. So I was I mean, it had been just weeks, not even days since it had happened. So I went to this party, you know, to like forget. And I just mm. spent like four to five hours carving this fucking just threw pumpkin. yourself into it yeah just just totally normal level of care i had like ar- like temporary arthritis in my elbow for like a week from it <gasps> holy <laughs> yeah. shit i didn't realize beautiful. all that because it's been like 
It's beautiful. Like all your. Thank you. But now that I go to the party with my new wonderful wife, I want to hang out with her and like eat hot dogs and drink apple cider and talk to people that I don't see instead of being like, I'm going to focus on this. So no one asks me how I'm doing. (laughs) You know what I mean? It was a, it was a coping mechanism. It was creative. And so I might do them for our house, like Mm. for me, but I don't need to, I don't need that validation anymore. So that would be my resume. Uh, special skill what what's yours mine would be i couldn't think of anything for a while and then it hit me i would um definitely have claw machine champion Ooh, good one known in my family for my special skill um with getting all that really cheap little Mm. stuffed animals that are so disgusting i love it Mm -hmm. good one ever catch a purple giraffe (laughs) (laughs) we find out that marshall actually can't dunk anymore because Mm. of an injury. So yeah. he has iliopsoas tendonitis or dancer's hip. Dancer's hip. Is that a real injury? So I don't, I couldn't, I just did a really quick Google search of iliopsoas tendonitis. I didn't look up dancer's hip as well in the search. Yeah. And honestly, I didn't want to put, I rather put more effort into the Lake Athabasca Absolutely. stuff. Because I really didn't like this whole storyline at all. It felt cheap and off. It and I didn't think. misogynistic. And I don't think Lily would have made fun of him for it. And I don't think it would have been a secret. Right. And you're right. I think it's a little out of character for Marshall not to be proud of everything that he does. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why this is so shameful. Yeah. Um, I think it's just dancing because you're happy. I do love, I dance more than you know. (laughs) That's really, really funny. And he's like, Um, and she's like, I don't know how to respond to that. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know, medium. (laughs) (laughs) Like, how much are we talking? Yeah. To get to that, okay, we'll have this silly storyline. But I hated, like, the, you know, he's going to burst into tears, the stirrups at the gyno. Oh, like, it's all, yeah, it's the, you know, yawn. it's the, yeah, it's like, you're a girl. And I do like it. He's like, oh, don't, yeah, don't build to that. Just go right for yeah. it. So, I mean, there are some, it's well written, but it's just like, it just was, and they, yeah, and I felt like it, they carried it on for so long, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was yeah, like, oh, yeah. they're still, we're still talking about this? We're all still right. doing this. Okay, cool. cute. Um, but then Barney shows them his reel. Now, he's not a reporter, but he has decided to craft a video resume, which you can still download if you're into <gasps> downloading and opening files from unknown internet sources. <laughs> I did, so you Who don't have it? to. Yay! So it looked a little bit different than the one on the show. Um, mm. I think, I don't know if somebody remade it or what. Yeah. Um, or maybe I'm, sh- I'm sure the original website was set up by our friend Alec Lev, right? Uh, oh, for sure. He did all of the, the yep. website stuff, all the new media. If I you will. saw two on um, speaking of like websites, and I don't th- know if this is a Himium one, but there is a um, Doctor X website. Oh my Ooh, and god! There's, there's Doctor X take on the jockocracy on the Ivy League and sweatshops. <laughs> Oh, I'm sure that was how it met your mother. I'm sure it was the real people. Yeah, it's, I don't know, there's like audio files here, but I can't even. Oh, my God. Uh, if you oh guys want to go on a deep dive, just Google Dr. God, X. Is that how you found it? Um, I just went, yeah, it's like Dr. X. I just closed it, but it was like a Dr. X, like mysterious. Um, Mystery DJ or whatever. Yeah. Mysteri- Very cool. Yeah, mysterious Dr. X. 
That's com. the website? Yeah. We get to see Barney's video resume, and it is just incredible. Yeah, let's let's break down all of the insane shit happening in this. Uh, all right. We have Barney interviewing himself mm-hmm. while he's wearing a tuxedo. The interviewer is British and then, like, Irish-Scottish. So Brit, he, he goes from English, right? Because Brit... British is still Irish and Scottish. That was something yeah, that was yeah, called yeah. out in like thing, but ah. I don't want to. I don't want to be like a total Ted about it. So, <laughs> but I also don't want to offend people. That's who, right. That's right. Especially our, our friends across the pond. So he goes English to Irish yes. for like a half a second, and, and then, then into Scottish, like a Scottish brogue. Yeah, a Scottish brogue. Yeah. Um, we have all these like corporate platitudes, and we've got him. On a motorcycle in front of a green screen of the desert. Near a horse. The horse with his full fucking equestrian outfit. And he's just like gently brushing it is so good. And I love Marshall just being like, wow, I didn't know you knew how to stand near a horse. That's amazing. They just rag on him throughout the entire thing. But Barney has a point. That corporate America doesn't want somebody who actually does anything. They just say they do, mm-hmm. but really they want exactly what Barney is giving them, which is all sizzle, no steak. Yes. Um, smoke and mirrors. All smoke and mirrors, which is Barney's jam. I mean, Barney was built for corporate America. That's for sure. And he says, doing things gets you fired. <laughs> I'm writing True. a book about this. Just kidding. I'm not. Um, yeah, it's totally true. Mm hmm. You just got to coast and, and be a yes man and you'll go far. Seen it, seen it before for sure. Um, and then he gets to the climax of this <laughs> video resume, which is that he's able to go past the possible yet also past the impossible <laughs> to the possible. <sighs> Such a bad word. Just insane, right? Insaneulous. <laughs> Just insaneulous. Insaneulous. Um, also should point it, be pointed out, he's reading the bro code at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you can see that there. Um, you know, and then nothing and everything is possible. And then this song starts. And the best, for me, the best line is... This isn't Barney's singing, singing this, this song. That would, that be, would be really, really lame. lame. <laughs> just as Ted is asking if it's That's him. him singing. It's just amazing. Um, and then there, these graphics are just... Detail-oriented. <laughs> it's like a gas tanker exploding. exploding. I personally love the trustworthy parachute. <laughs> I like the awesome, like the wave of awesome. Oh, just awesome avalanche. Um, oh, yeah, that was it, avalanche. Punctual lightning. God. It's Whoever, so if this was Alec Lev, bravo, sir, because that shit was so funny. Still today, 11 years later, still <laughs> cracking me up. I have one question for you, Caitlin. Would you hire Barney Stinson based on this resume? Of course. Yeah. Why the fuck? Look at the risk he was willing to take. 
I would show that to everybody I had ever met forever, I think. Forever and ever it's amen. so freaking I good. I downloaded an internet or a file from an unknown internet source because I loved it so much and had to see it again. I really wish we got to see Robin's final video. Mm, Does that too. exist anywhere? Not that I could find. Hmm. That would have been really cool because I bet it was amazing. Everyone's laughing at Barney, like you said. Everyone's making fun of him and how stupid it is and how this is never going to work. Of course, it got Barney 11 job interviews, yep. something crazy like that. Yeah. But Robin's desperate. She's like, make me one. She's a weak. She has one week, so there's a nice ticking clock on this, which we all love. So at this point, I feel like we need to follow Barney's lead when it comes to his mixtapes and just be all rise. Yes. So with that, I would like to introduce our interview with the fantastic, the incomparable Lady Writer! Lady Writer! Gloria Calderon Kellett. All right, everybody, you know how much we love a lady writer on this show. And our guest today is that and so much more. She was a writer, actor, executive story editor, and co-producer on How I Met Your Mother for what she won an Alma Award for Outstanding Script in a Drama or Comedy. She also wrote some truly legendary episodes like How I Met Everyone Else, Showdown, Drumroll Please, and other favorites. And since her time on Himium, she has been a writer and a supervising producer slash writer on Rules of Engagement, Devious Maids, Mixology, and iZombie, just to name a few. And today she is the executive producer of one of my favorite shows, One Day at a Time, which is currently airing in its fourth season on Pop TV. And she's even directed several of the episodes. Gloria Calderon Kellett, thank you so much for being on Hey Beautiful today. Hello, hello. Oh my goodness. It's so fabulous to have you here. Yeah, we are just absolutely blown away by your generosity. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and be interviewed on our little podcast. This is just a, a huge dream of ours. Oh, that's so nice, guys. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, um, we always take a minute to to highlight when a lady writer pops up on How I Met Your Mother because <laughs> they are a little few and far between, so they get their own air horn and everything. So... We Air always love the Lord. So we we always love when when your name pops up. Um, mm -hmm. So let's let's get into the questions. Do yeah. It. So uh, Gloria, how did you get into the TV writing business? Well, I started out as an actor, and uh, when uh, I was doing some writing as well, I had just come back from um, grad school in London, where. I went to University of London Goldsmiths College and I studied performance and playwriting. And I came back thinking I would write and act. And uh, the acting, I got my acting agent and I was going out for auditions and it was always a gangbanger's girlfriend or a gangbanger's sister. Mm. And maybe a, a, a prostitute. Sometimes I'd get a <laughs> prostitute. That was like a, a treat. Um, and it, I, it was just very evident to me that my community was underwritten and women were underwritten and that the only way I could change that was to write my way out of it. So I started writing more and more. And the more I wrote, the more my writing got attention. And so I just started writing the horse in the direction it was going, you know, the writing is really what started taking off. And I, I just jumped on that and, and started going that way. And, and uh, the, my first staff writing job was on a show called quintuplets 
And on that show, I met Carter and Craig. Uh, we were like the babies on the show. We were the ones oh. in our 20s and everyone else was much older. And they were just the sweetest guys in the whole wide world. And, and they, they said, we have a show. We have a show that we're making. And if we, if we get to do it, we want to steal you away. And I said, let's do it. And then true to their word, when they got, when How I Met Your Mother got picked up, they, they brought me on as a staff writer. That is so awesome. I love the little How I Met Craig and Carter story. I wasn't yeah. even going to ask that, but that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, we're the same age. We're the exact same age. I love it. Um, so who coming up, who have been your writing idols or heroes that you've looked up to? Well, Nora Ephron, when I was growing up, I was obsessed with all of her work. I would like devour every Nora Ephron, everything. Uh, and then, you know, Tina Fey in terms of a performer and an actor. Uh, and then, you know, there, there really were no um, Latina writer actors uh, that I got to see. So it was really just looking everywhere and determining like, oh, I guess I'm going to have to pave my own path because I don't have a specific role model to look to. Uh, I was really fortunate that Pam Freiman, who is, you know, was the house director on How I Met Your Mother, she really became my mentor in terms of like having a Hollywood mom. She was always the one that was pushing me to like, you're amazing. You should do more. You, you've got the goods. Like, when when I felt like this the town wasn't seeing me, I feel like Pam saw me in. And, and that was a, a really tremendous friendship from the get-go. Wow, that's awesome. That that is really incredible. So Gloria told us that um this was one of your first writing jobs after doing some acting. What do you remember the most fondly about working on How I Met Your Mother? It was fun. It was fun. It felt like it felt like a continuation of college, you know, like it was a young room. It was uh, a lot of, a lot of us were either, you know, I think Craig and I were the only ones married at the time. And we both have a similar story that we're married to people we've been with since we were like 16, you know? So uh, everyone else was like young and dating and it, it was just a, a fun, fun time. And Chris, Chris and Phil were on the show, Chris Miller and Phil Lord who were hilarious and obviously have gone on to also do really amazing things. And so there was just a, a moment in time where we were all in there and, and just having a blast telling stories about dating and falling in love and laughing. And it was, it was just fantastic. That's great. So what was the process like for writing an episode? You're the first writer we've had on. I would just love to know how an episode got made from that standpoint. Well, the guys had a you know really clear vision of the show. They were always very generous with us in terms of allowing us into all the processes of showrunning because they were first time showrunners on this mm -hmm. show. Uh, so we would break this. We would break the story. They'd always have a pretty clear vision of you know what Ted's point of view is. What what is the story? How does it affect all of the characters? Uh, and then. A, a big fun idea surrounding it. Like why was this a story that he was telling his kids and the future Ted was telling his kids. So yeah, they were, they were very clear in what they liked and what they thought was funny. And, uh, and a lot of times stories would just, we would just tell personal stories from our own life. Like a uh, drum roll please was based on a, a real story of mine from, you know, this guy that I met in, uh, in San Francisco, when I went to visit a friend in college who was in college up there, and we had a night where we just drum rolled, we never kissed ever. Um, 
yeah, so it was just the drum roll. That was it because we were like the best part of a, you know, the best part of the first kiss is the is the five seconds before the kiss. And yumminess, you know. So I told that story and then it was like, okay, how can we make this part of, you know, Ted's thing? And they each make up names and, you know, all of that. It's how it, it's how it would come together. The guys would get really excited about stuff like that. So yeah, we would, that's basically story breaking is people coming up with stories in the room, sharing personal stories. The guys say what they like and what they want to use. And, and then we pitch to that. And then eventually someone gets uh, assigned that episode to outline. They go off and outline it and come back and the guys would, you know, sometimes take a pass and then we would go off and write the script and then you'd get notes and the guys would take a pass and then it would go to the room and we'd punch it up and then table read and we're off. (laughs) That's great. Uh, Were there characters that you enjoyed writing more than others? I liked everybody. I mean, that was a really, it was an incredible cast. All of those actors are, are incredible actors and um, it was super fun mm. writing all of them. Um, you know, I really, I loved that the women were so strong. Lily and Robin are such great characters. I loved their friendship. Um, I loved how, you know, strong they were. And, um, and it was, I think all of them were fun to write for. I loved writing the crazy characters, really. Like, you know, blah, blah. Yes. You know, yes. That was a blast because she was so bonkers. And Abby was so down to just be crazy playing her. And so that was kind of one of the most fun guest characters uh, that, that I got to. And also, uh, Victoria was so lovely, just sweet and kind and just this, kind of ideal woman um, that, that Ted has to, you know, he, he kind of needed in order to see how he felt about Robin, he needed to sort of be this perfect angel woman, which, which mm-hmm. came in the form of Victoria. And so, yeah, it was, all of those were so, such fun. And so are there any lessons that you learned as a writer in the, how I met your mother room that you've carried forward into other projects? Yeah, I think that what the, like I said, what the guys did so well was allowed us to, peek behind the curtain and not every showrunner is like that. Some, you know, every showrunner is different and what they have to do to make their show is different. And because the guys were new, I think they were open to us also learning along with them. So, you know, they let me be a producer in the casting sessions. They let me sit in on editing. They let me, you know, they, they were very generous with allowing us behind the curtain. And that certainly helped me when I finally uh, became a showrunner. And so I allow any writers who want to come to editing are allowed to come to editing or allowed to see our casting sessions. I, I keep an open door the way the guys did because it was so valuable. That's so great. And a perfect segue because I really love to talk about your more recent work um, as a creator of One Day at a Time, truly one of the best TV re- reboots ever, in my opinion. Oh. Um, you know, it's not just a reboot for reboot's sake. It feels fresh. It feels necessary. And it proves that you can be so damn funny without punching down. And oh, I think that's nice. Yeah. Well, I think that that's, I think that's something that a lot of people don't think is possible, right? That seems to be the, the narrative, at least coming out of a lot of white male comedians right now is that, you know, offensive things are funny, but you guys managed to do it in a way that honors the characters. And I just love it. Um, 
And I wanted to play a little something for you. My friend Daisy is a Cuban-American. She's a writer in her own right. And this show is so important to her um, that I asked her to just send you a little, a little message. Hi, Gloria. This is Daisy. I'm so excited. I'm actually, I'm a little teary. Okay. Thank you for creating One Day at a Time and for creating a show that depicts our culture with such reality and nuance and complexity of what it means to be an immigrant, to be the child of immigrants, a complicated relationship between a Cuban mother and daughter. The first time I saw the show, I texted my sister and said, somebody made a show about you and mommy because that push-pull, that codependency, that love, and the you're making me crazy is so real. Thank you for showing a Cuban woman dealing with mental health and PTSD and motherhood and being the in-between for the mothers and the grandmothers and the daughters. My sister and I watch it. She watches it with her son and daughter. Her son, Brian, is my mother's papito. And the episode where papito is helping Penn at work and abuelita shows up to bring him food and to put royal violets on him was the realest thing I have ever seen. Thank you so much for this show and for everything. I'm so glad it was picked up. We are still watching it as a family and texting each other and have our own inside jokes about the show. I'm so grateful to be able to tell you directly what it means to me. So thank you. Dale, que Dios te bendiga siempre. Muchísimas gracias. Oh, that's lovely. That's so oh. lovely. Thank you. Of course. I, I couldn't say it any better than her. So I, I wanted to make sure that you knew that your show is so important. I know that people tell you all the time, but um, she was really excited to be able to let you know. So um, yeah, let's get into some of the some of the bigger questions, Caitlin. Yeah. So Gloria, you've gone from a writer and an actor to a showrunner on One Day at a Time. What was that process like to getting your own project made? Well, you know, I had been um, a journeyman writer for 12 years on other people's shows. And uh, in between, you're always writing pilots. I mean, I had sold a couple of pilots over the years uh, and they didn't have a lot of traction. And that's sort of the that's the road of the journeyman writer. You kind of sell a pilot here or there. Nothing really happens. You keep staffing. And then one day, hopefully you're given an opportunity to run a show. Not every writer wants to be a showrunner. It's a very different um, job and skill set. But I think for a lot of people, they want to at least be be given the shot to to hold the reins. And so I was just so blessed that my shot came with Norman Lear and Mike Royce because they are uh, they're like the best cis white male allies on earth. And I got them. Uh, they were just always lifting me up and were so supportive of my vision and of protecting me and my creative voice and it was just always a yes from them in terms of the specificity that I wanted on the show, uh, the, the, what I wanted in the kitchen, what groceries I wanted the characters to have, what outfits, what everything was honored. And so I really feel like I got to make the show exactly the way I wanted to make it. And, uh, and just had this incredible support system of, of Norman and Mike and the staff that, that all of our ideas in a blender, you know, made the show. It's, it, we, we make it really earnest on purpose. You know, like I, um, 
I'm not cool. I'm not cool. I have no <laughs> That's true. I have no chill. I've embraced that about myself because I think that it's charming that I don't, <laughs> that I don't have yeah. chill or coolness. So what I do have is earnest and honest. And, and that's what I try to put into the world is a little bit of kindness and uh, a little bit of love and, and a little bit of broccoli in with the mashed potatoes and all that mixed up in a cocktail shaker is what, um, what makes the delicious drink that is this show. Yeah, I can definitely recognize the, the earnestness of this, of One Day at a Time and How I Met Your Mother. They have that sort of thread of, you know, big laughs, but also so much heart and and not being afraid to deal with some some deeper issues and some darker issues in a way that speaks to the audience. So I, I think that might be one reason I love one day at a time is, is seeing those similarities between the two shows. And it's so refreshing to see that, you know, see the realness that um, you bring to one day at a time. Cause you don't, we don't get that a lot on shows yeah. today. Yeah. It's true. I don't know why. I don't know why that is, but I, I miss it. What has been the best part of being a showrunner as opposed to just being a writer, what's the best part of having the reins, as you said? Uh, I really, I really love the job. I think that, uh, you know, being in charge of, of a staff of 150 to 200 people that make your show and, and trying to, you know, rally everybody to be excited about making something together. And, you know, our department, our department heads and all of our departments are amazing. You know, there's a, a ton of people that make a television show. And when they work together, uh, like ours does so beautifully, it's a real joy. It's a real joy to be there and to get to, to lead the charge of, of getting to make television that we believe in. So it's, it's my favorite job. I would say of all the jobs I've had, show running is my favorite job. So I hope that I get to do it for many more years. I do too, because yes. you are very good at it. <laughs> uh, you've been we follow you on Twitter and something that I've noticed is just how accessible and generous you've been, uh, specifically with emerging writers, uh, talking about how the business works and offering advice that they might not be able to find without a connection. And so I, I remember you saying that, that Pam Fryman became that kind of mentor to you. Um, did you have other mentors as well and you're paying it forward or did a, did an overall lack of mentorship kind of make you want to do things differently? Well, I had sort of imperfect mentors. You know, I think that at the beginning there were well-meaning white men who uh, who were trying. And, and the, the thing about change and, and what we're seeing right now with this racial reckoning is people are trying and, and, and failing and, and that's okay, right? Like it's, these are growing pains and there are things that, the, the issue is when I was starting out is that I didn't have a position of power to let the well-meaning white men know that, that they were doing things wrong. Right. So I just had to sort of be in the system and appreciate the, the good things that were happening. Um, and, and just try to forget or move past the problematic things that were happening. Um, and, and some, but by the way, this is not all some, some of the guys were phenomenal that I worked with, um, and, and were very, very good to me, but there was a mix. And I think that, uh, as a result of that, there, there was no real person telling me like, this is how you do it. And then being a source of comfort for me 
when I was not doing things correctly or when I was seeking advice. And I just wanted to have uh, people know that don't have access to this information that there's somebody out here that they can ask questions to if they want. And I certainly don't know all the answers. I have my own, you know, as a human being, I am flawed in my own ways. And so Mm. I can only provide what I know and try to be of service and help. But I just wanted to provide that since I didn't, I just didn't have it. I just didn't have it for years and years and years. And I think had I had it, my journey would have been easier. I would have learned to be more efficient in the room earlier, but I was coming up against things that I didn't, I didn't know how to process and I didn't have anyone to talk to about how to process those things. Hear the rest of Gloria's interview at patreon.com slash heybeautifulpod. Thank you again to Gloria. So generous. What a fun time. We were both so effing nervous. I hope that Mm -hmm. you couldn't tell. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I mean, some of my favorite episodes were written by her. I was talking to Jack about the interview yeah, um, at dinner, and he was like, so what episodes did she write? And everyone I named, he was like, that's a great episode. Oh. That's a great episode. I love that one. I was like, Showdown? Was, yes. Price is Right? So good. Bob Barker's my dad, like, <laughs> and the drum roll story. Mm-hmm. God. This is what I mean, what I meant last week when I said that this show gave me hope that there were other people with big bleeding hearts out there yeah. because that shit was something she actually kind of did. Yeah. It's and based it's one on of, based on a she... true event and mm-hmm. it's one of the most romantic things I've ever seen. Yeah. You know? Oh, it makes me want to watch that episode. You, I'll let you watch it for me, but with Victoria's <laughs> ugly brown shoes and all. <laughs> that face. <laughs> Oh, your favorite. You love her now. I do love her now. I can't. Yeah. I do. At McLaren's, we get the quick scene. Kate and I sort of already talked about a little bit where Marshall confesses (laughs) that he dances more than Lily knows about a medium amount. And like the rest of us, she doesn't know how to respond to that. I guess I'd say medium. (laughs) Just so And she just like shrinks back. It's so good. Um, we cut to Barney's apartment and have Robin sitting in a chair being interviewed by Barney. Um, but more, actually, she's just saying some confident sounding buzzwords like connectitude, transformation, and <laughs> linkativity. Oh, God. it's so bad. It's just painful. Um, you know, <laughs> she starts to tell a story about. You know, when she was a little girl or a little kid, she says, and I remember thinking like, oh, that sounds very unprofessional for your professional resume. Right. When I was a little girl, a kid. Um, But yeah, so Barney just convinces her to say all these fake words. Mm -hmm. We cut back to um, Marshall and Lily at McLaren's and we find out that the day um, he hurt his hip was when he found out that he was going to be leaving half day. Um, we cut back to Barney's, and Robin is wearing a martial arts outfit, and Barney is trying to coax her into smashing 15 bricks with her forehead. <laughs> Very simple to do. No big deal. I do that, you know, every every Wednesday and twice on Sundays. Right, right. <laughs> um, Robin is understandably frustrated because she really doesn't see how any of this is going to work, and... She ends up leaving Varney's apartment, but before that, she says that she knows what she has to do. And we see Robin at her <laughs> low point going into audition 
for the lottery girl spot. Yeah. <sighs> it's not the last low point that Robin will have. No. Entertainment no. is a, as we know from Gloria, it's a, it's not a linear thing. No. It takes time. So we have this truly excellent scene. <sighs> We have the Whispering Producer, played by Reagan Burns. He's been on a bunch of Disney mm. show stuff, some one-off things. And then we have the director, played by Seth Morris, who's been mm. on a lot more. He was Wallace on The Good Place. He was on Veep. And we oh. get a look into what really goes into being a lottery girl. And there is so much more. You really <laughs> have to build the tension. And you really oh, need yeah. to, you know, you need to be wry with a little bit of twinkle. Oh, my God. Try to be a little more wry. I fucking hate that guy. I love this scene so much. She looks mean. Yeah, she's super mean. <laughs> God. Oh, so good. So let me hear your rye with a little bit of twinkle. 17. Oh, God. Okay. <sighs> this is a lot of pressure. Rye. <laughs> I know. I'm trying to make my face be rye without laughing. <laughs> 17. Did I, I look like a lunatic? I feel like I did. All right. Let's hear yours. I like if we both do like the eyebrows. I know. Ooh. I'm like. You guys can't see us, but we're like... A little flirty. Rye. I was going to say, like, the way Robin does 17. Um, yeah. All right. L- rye with a little bit of twinkle. Energy. 17. Ooh, I like it. Uh, Not I'm, as rye as I wanted. I, I know. It was a little too twinkly, I think. <laughs> more rye, less twinkle. I really feel like 27 would have more rye, more than 17. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. 27. Really, they just hated Robin. And they hated her. She looks she's super too, mean. And she's too old. She's too <laughs> She's super mean. She is super she's mean. She's super mean. Um, I don't even know what happens next. I just wrote lots of off-color jokes about women. Oh, yeah. This is where Ted makes fun of Marshall's dancer's hip. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I did write Everyone's more. joking. Vaginal rejuvenation. I do love that Marshall says, you know who wasn't operating on a lot of vaginas in college? <laughs> Dr. X. That was fucking funny. Um, Lily basically bangs their heads together and says, you both have stupid stuff on your resume and you should take it off. But she's... You know, she might want a giant sugar cube for that high horse she's on, <laughs> you know, because she has something from July 4th, 1995 on her resume. And we get a lot of runners this episode. We get you, son of a bitch. Mm-hmm. We get Dr. X. We get more of Barney hating Canada. Um, we get Vanilla Thunder. So there's like a bunch of. We see the bro code again, so there's like a lot of callbacks and and uh, runners that we get um, in this episode. That you son of a bitch just like was a bomb to my soul when I heard it. Right, but if you notice, they've changed it. It used to have she used to do like an accent with it, and I think that they've adjusted that mm. to be a little more sensitive because it used to be like you son of a bitch, you yeah. know. And now it's like, you son of a bitch, bitch. right? So it's like, "Mm, I get it. Not mad about it. That was the good choice. It was a good choice. Um, So it turns out that Lily, much like you and I, or you and me, is a huge fan of hot dogs. 
So much so that she won the Coney Island Speed Eating Championship in 1995, and her nickname was Lily the Belly Aldrin, <laughs> which was such a sweet way to use her pregnancy belly. It was just the the be- I wrote that it was like probably one of the best um, pregnancy like high you know yeah. cover ups because very rarely do. They actually find a way to use her actual body mm-hmm. <laughs> or on any show with a woman who's pregnant. It's just all, you know, big purses and vests. Yeah. She had the pile of letters on her belly. She was laying down on the bed behind mm-hmm. Marshall when they were back in college. Just all those I have like things. a fixation on that. Me too. I, I love can, to. S- can't you tell as soon as they start doing that? Mm-hmm. I'm like, she's fucking pregnant. And I think it's because. Women on TV always have such form-fitting outfits, and the focus is so much on their Mm -hmm. bodies that as soon as they start trying to do any sort of smoke and mirrors, I pick up on it. And I have to call it out. I'm like, she's pregnant. She's pregnant right there. Like, anyone fucking gives a shit. And I I picture you, like, looking around at the crowd that's gathered. Yeah. (laughs) Witnessing you calling it first. She's a witch. Um, so <laughs> they're all like, you can't do that anymore either. So you should take it off your resume. And so they start fighting about the hot dog eating contest. But then Robin comes in with bad news. She, mm-hmm. as we suspected, did not get the lotto girl job because she's super mean. And so now she has to go back to Canada. We see Robin and everyone back in the apartment and we get to see this like kind of emotional side of Robin that we don't often get to see. She's kind of quiet, introspective. She even shares a story about how when she left, everyone gave her a camera so she could send pictures back because they were so sure she was going to make it. It's so sad. Yeah. And, you know, everyone's kind of gathered on the couch and then Barney bursts in being his insensitive self he's like oh what's going on and finds out robin's got to go back to canada and he's like oh how awful it reminds me of when marshall and lily were broken up Mm -hmm. and he slid into the booth and marshall and he said what are you guys talking about marshall said lily and he just said i gotta go yep right and everyone thought he was just being a dick Yep, but he but wasn't. he wasn't. He was being the best Barney you really ever see. And we get we get more of that here. Yeah, and, and so he clarifies and says, you know, for one thing, it's going to be one hell of a commute. <sighs> so it turns out that after Robin left, he finished the res- video resume and sent it out to every news station in the area. And she got an offer with Channel 8, and they loved her. But Barney said that Robin doesn't audition. She gets the job or nothing. <laughs> and so Robin, you know, everyone's kind of on the edge of their seats. What happened? What happened? He's like, oh, the guy cussed me out and hung up. But then Channel 12 called, and they offer Robin a job hosting their new morning talk show. But Barney told them to shove it. And, you know, again, like, there's like this, Whoa! But that just made them want her more, and they upped the price or her salary by 10%. And so she gets to say, and it is just, like, jubilant. Like, they all erupt, and it's just incredible. And, you know, Robin asks Barney how he was able to pull this off, and he just tells her that he's the master of the pasimpapal. And it's just... 
He's so sweet in this moment. First, mm-hmm. he gets that little hug, and he like turns away, and he's like so happy. Yeah, he, he almost like scuffs the ground like aw shucksy doodles, right? Mm-hmm. And then she hugs him again, and he like caresses her hair. Yeah, it's just very very sweet. And Marshall like tender. Con- Marshall contains his desire to dance. So very, he's got that injury, you know? Yeah, that, that B-plot that we loved so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then we cut to, you know, everyone sort of moving on from the things that they've clung to. Mm-hmm. So we see Ted and Marshall both taking that weak off, weak-ass crap off their resume. And we see Lily updating hers. Hmm. Because Lily the Belly Aldrin <laughs> can now eat 33 hot dogs. In eight minutes. I loved what Robin had on, that, like, sweater vest kind of dress thing yeah. with, like, the long sleeve navy underneath it. I just... Very pretty. I was a big fan. And we, yeah. another, we get another big pregnancy belly reveal. Yeah! <laughs> and then we cut to black, and we come back to Dr. X. <laughs> Out in front of the cafeteria, there seems to be a party happening off camera somewhere else. Mm. And he's just got his meal plan equals racist sign. <laughs> and we get just the best college Ted with his, his decorative spectacles. And he just can't understand why people aren't coming to his happenings. Oh, man. He's just, he's so misunderstood. And I kind of, I think everyone can relate to that, you know? Yeah. Like when today Gloria was talking about how earnest her new show, One Day at a Time, is now she did that on purpose. Like, I can't think of anyone more earnest than Ted Mosby. You know, he's mm-hmm. always been himself and he just had to grow into it. And man, that must have been so painful in college. It hurts to watch. It hurts to watch. And that's how you but know it was nice to see all the, because it is all, painful. Oh my God, I know. And it was nice to see baby Marshall and Lily as well earlier in the episode. Um, so what did you think of Possimpable? Um, it's one, it's very difficult for me to say. Two, I cannot believe how quickly we recapped that episode. It's so fast. It's just really it's a very like a fast quick, episode. Quick, quick, quick. Uh, it's just super fun though. It's very I fun. Like it. Um it it pushes the story along. It pushes Robin's character arc along, right? Mm-hmm. So now she has this new job. I believe it's come on, get up New York, right? I think so. I think so. I think that's the one. We'll find out if that's the one shortly. Um, so that's like the big movement here. So it's all, again, like Gloria said, you know, there's that one idea that they have to cover in the episode and then they come up with all the fun stuff around it. So pushing Robin to her new job mm-hmm. is the big idea. I'm sure like the citizenship stuff and the resume, like all that's just like the fun the fun stuff around it. So mm-hmm. an excellent episode. It's not like my super duper favorite, but no. I mean that the video resume is the video resume is excellent. I love getting iconic. to see Barney, yeah. you know, being his best self. Um, yeah. And I guess, I guess the, you know, Barney and Robin really have a moment in this episode. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like layering their relationship with each other. Yeah. So there's there's definitely some movement on the us, especially on the Robin front, because I think up until this point, even though I maintain that she's known this whole time that he's in love with her, mm-hmm. 
I think here we see that she could possibly love him back. In that moment where she's just like amazed yeah. that he yeah. would do this for her, right? And she's like, you certainly are. So that felt like there was like a change in her because it reminded me of the episode where she couldn't say I love you to Ted. And, you know, there were those moments where she almost did, like when he killed the bug or when they got off the phone. Like it just felt like she was in that same that same place. So, yeah, I guess we'll see what happens, won't we? Mm hmm. All right. Let's get into these ledge mos. We have 13 tonight. Whew. So let's get cracking. All right. Our first one is from David, who's a patron. So don't forget, friends, patrons will get their legendary moments read in their entirety. And it looks like most of uh, our uh, legendary moments are from patrons. So that's right. Yeah. Um, so again, the first one's from David. David writes, love, love, love this episode. So many hilarious moments. First ledge mode is Bonnie, Barney's Lottery Girl game. I want to see him do one for every number now. <laughs> Second ledge mode is the intro of Dr. X. So hilariously pretentious and cla- classic schmoesby. Third is the entire Pussimple video. Absolute classic. Minuscule ledge mode in the mention of Winnipeg, gotta rep the hometown. Oh, oh how about that? Also, I didn't really care for the Marshall storyline this episode. Same, David. Mm -hmm. But him calling out Dr. X gives me life. Sorry for the long email, but I just love this episode so much. Good call, David. Yeah, the Marshall one just felt out of place. Yeah. It just felt out of character. Like, Um, I could totally see him dancing a ton and getting hurt from it. Yeah. But not... Sometimes sometimes there's, like, a hyper-masculine storyline that just feels weird because... None of them are like that. Yeah. But they try to make it like, oh, you got beat up by a girl. Like, it just doesn't fly with these fucking... not with them. Wussies, for better, for lack of a better term, you know? Um, It's it's more fun when they make fun of how soft they are Mm -hmm. um, instead of trying to act like they have this toxic thing going on. Yeah, the bravado. Yeah. Um, Next up is Sam H. And Sam's legendary moment is Robin saying recycling (laughs) as her sign off. (laughs) So good. So good. Poor Robin. So good. I know. Uh, Our next uh, legendary moment comes from another patron, Matthew. Matthew writes, Hi, K&K. The Possimple is definitely a bit of a come down after tremendous three days of snow. All the haha, Marshall's a woman because of his injury shtick is always eye rolling. However, mm-hmm. I still had a little fun with the episode. My legendary moment is the song accompanying Barney's video resume. Anything that involves Neil singing just has to win for me. Plus, it's just so ridiculous as to be strongly funny. Minor bonus points go to the gang ripping Ted's Dr. X persona to shreds. Anything involving Ted's self-indulgent nonsense being taken down a peg is always a good thing in my book. And two, the debut of Lily's You Son of a Bitch catchphrase. As always, thank you both so much for all you do. Every episode of Hate Beautiful is a treat that always delivers a wonderful mix of comedy and thoughtfulness. Stay beautiful and awesome. Oh, thank you, Matthew. Okay, um, next up is Jeff, who's another one of our patrons. And Jeff says, hi, K&K. 
This episode isn't a huge favorite of mine, but my legmo would have to be, I dance more than you know. <laughs> Jason Siegel's delivery cracks me up. Also, although the Dr. X stuff is goofy, I think that of the three of them, Ted's supervisory experience makes more sense on a resume than basketball dunking or competitive eating. Fair. Fair. Hope you are both doing well. Best, Jeff. I saw that he kept, like, lifeguard on there as well. I mean, that was... No fatalities. I remember reading that. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, one of the things that Marshall put on there was, like, camper of the year, which I just thought oh, was just Marshall. too sweet. Darling. Yeah, he had... And, like, overall recognition for sportsmanship, leadership... Oh, this is pretty, pretty good. I I wanted to call this out about Marshall's dunk. Yeah. So competed and won three-day dunking competition featuring the best basketball players from 11 high schools in Minnesota's 35th largest county. Oh. Received a 10 out of 10 possible points for trademark slam. The white windmill. The white windmill. I love it so much. Trademark slam. Right? So next up is Lisa. And Lisa says, Hi, ladies. I'm so sorry to have missed sending in my legendary moments from the past couple of episodes. I was traveling for work, and it has been insane. I'm so glad to hear that you're doing okay, Kate. Please continue to stay safe and healthy, both of you. Thank you. I am doing a lot better. Like, a lot better. So thank you, guys. My legendary moment for this episode is Barney helping Robin get a job. I just love these two so damn much, and this is probably the second most selfless thing Barney has ever done Mm. for anyone behind getting Lily back from San Francisco. I love a good character development, and halfway through the series, we are seeing immense growth from Barney. I can't wait to see where this takes him. Have a great week. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you. Next up is Tish, who's one of our patrons. And Tish says, hey, K and K, hope you're both doing well. My legmo has got to be how mean Marshall and Lily are about Dr. X. <laughs> honorable mention to Barney proposing. Extra honorable mention to the fact that they mentioned my home province of Alberta. I love you Canadians. Me thank too. You. Thank you so much, Tish. I think our next meetup should be in Canada at a Timmy Ho's. Doesn't that sound good? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I want to uh, cram a Timbit into a, what is it? What does he put it in? Oh, God, I A don't strawberry even cream. Called it the, the Priestly. Mm, yeah, I think that was it. <laughs> Next up is Ben, another patron. He says, hey, ladies, I'm a big fan of this episode. My ledge modes are Barney's video resume, or CV as we call it here in the UK. Mm. Curriculum vitae. Yeah. I remember that, that from working in the, the French school. French school. Le CV. Oh, so cool. That's what we call them. I was in charge of all the CVs. <sighs> uh, and the shy man at Robin's audition. NPH clearly <sighs> had a blast recording the song as the version of the videos on the DVD extra shows him jamming <gasps> while recording. Ooh, <gasps> we got to check that out. I know. I got to break out my DVDs. Yes. Despite online exams and some online teaching, I managed to complete this university year with a strong upper second class honors grade. Roughly equivalent to a 3.7 GPA in the U.S., but no official conversion. Congratulations, Ben. That's awesome. Way especially in the time of corona. Mm-hmm. And I have now started a remote internship in the tech team at BlackRock. It's been a great experience so far and has allowed for easier networking with American counterparts. Y'all are crazy, but great. True. We're a lot of fun. 
Measures were relaxed a bit here with bars, restaurants, and salons reopening. Of course, the public couldn't handle it and forgot about distancing, causing an increase in infection rates. Mm, Sounds familiar. Mm, Sounds very familiar. I know you folks in the U.S. are struggling at the moment, and you are all in my thoughts. Thank you, Ben. Thanks, dude. In case people haven't heard yet, Radner and Lee's new album, Golden State, came out a few weeks ago and has some great tunes. I really recommend a listen. See you all next time for The Stinsons and stay, stay safe. Yours, Ben. Thanks, Ben. Yeah. All right. Next up is Clint, <laughs> Ted's stepdad, who's another one of our patrons. And Clint says, hey there. First off, thanks for creating this podcast. I had thought about doing an episode by episode of him yam and then i found yours listen clint the reason i did this was because i couldn't find one i was happy to just listen to somebody else do this but then i was like i know the show pretty well let's fucking do it i wish i had found it before now but it's given me an opportunity to go back and catch my early season faves uh you should be glad you found it now <laughs> the sound was not great um, also, thanks for the shout out on the last episode. I'm pretty sure I've had fewer sandwiches than TV's Clint, but I like to think I have some of his spirit. <laughs> Anyways, on to my first legmo. It was a tough choice, but I had to go back to uh, Robin's audition for the lottery girl job. When I was in theater, I would have those kinds of auditions where a producer would whisper something to the other producer. Oh. You know, they they took that shit so seriously. Yes. Um, I feel Robin's pain when the director asks her, try being more wry with a twinkle. It's it's just such an abstract fucking direction. Um, Here's to many more days of Himium enjoyment, and I'll be listening in this very spot. Possibly yours, Clint, the other one. Good one, Clint. Wow, Clint, so clever. That was an excellent email. All right, next up is Sam P., another one of our patrons, and Sam writes, A few minutes into the episode, I was convinced that I was going to give you guys a break and send an email saying only wear a condom. <laughs> However, every character is legmo worthy, especially the way they worked Allison being pregnant in with the hot dog contest. I also feel weird not mentioning here to take ignorance and injustice off the menu. <laughs> being that... <laughs> So good. (laughs) So good. Um, Being that it's in my Twitter bio, ultimately, I have to give it to Barney for giving Robin a job with a 10% raise. Underneath it all, Barney comes through when it matters. P.S. What is going on with Marshall's hair in this episode? It looks flat, wet, and sad, as if part of his head is shaved and he is wearing Uncle Ben's sat toupee. (laughs) Uncle Ben! Oh, Oh, Uncle Ben. Ben. You look like a cleaned up Bigfoot. (laughs) That's good, right? Good one, Aww. Sam. Good one. All Our right. fans are so clever. They're so clever. They're cool. They're nice. And they're not creepy. So thank you, guys. You did it. Yeah. Keep doing it. Um, Beth is up next. And Beth is one of the few fans we've actually met in person. She's our Mm -hmm. New York City pal, so it's good to hear from her. She's also a patron. And Beth says, hey, K&K, I haven't emailed in forever. Oh, my. Well, I hope you are doing well. I truly appreciate y'all and the podcast to keep me sane during this time. You keep me company when I'm busy at work at 4 a.m. Thanks. Oh, we're so glad. Thought I'd share my legendary moment for the possimpable. It is when Robin is explaining where Red Deer is. In Red Deer, in Alberta, in Canada. (laughs) And then everyone responds, oh. It is funny to me that it is so difficult for the gang to understand where it is, except for Canada. Yeah, I couldn't tell you where Alberta is. I don't even know where Alberta is, other than Canada. We're horrible. Um, But that's because U.S. Americans don't have maps. 
A close second is Robin signing off from the audition she had early in the episode. Stay safe, y'all. Thanks, Beth. Another one of our uh, HB family members, Jordan, wrote in to tell us um, the introduction of Dr. X is their legendary moment. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you, Jordan. And last but not least, Allie's legendary moment is, let's see what Allie says. Hi, I'm finally doing it again. Yay. Yay, Allie. She's one of our (laughs) patrons as well. Um, Okay, so this is one of my favorite episodes, Barney being cute to Robin, the Barney music, and the discussion of resume additives. Yes, we all do this. We do. (laughs) Honorable mention, Robin's interview for the lottery girl, the black the back conversation of the guys slays me. <laughs> Barney Stinson, that guy's awesome. <laughs> uh, legendary moment is the baby bump hide. It's the most clever scene, and it always makes me giggle when I see, a, see it. Uh, it's a moment that pops into my head a lot, and I think it's adorable. Thank you, Allie. Thank All right. you. Caitlin, what was your legendary moment? Yeah, she seems super mean. <laughs> It's so good. It's so good. Um, Yeah, that I mean, there's a couple other ones, too, that I really love. But that one just makes me laugh every time. It's good. Um, I have to say the video resume. Yeah, it's just it's just so great. The perfection, the the graphics alone are just incredible. A little time capsule, too. It really is. It looks very PowerPointy. Mm-hmm. Um, with the animation. So, yeah. Well, that's it, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you again to Gloria Calderon Kellett for coming on. Oh, angel here on this earth. And talking to us about how I met your mother and one day at a time and so many other things. You can go over to Patreon right now and listen to the full interview. Patreon.com slash Hey Beautiful Pod. We will see you next time for the Stinsons. Incredible episode. Cannot wait. I'm very excited too. Tyler, no liking. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, so make sure you send in your legendary moments to heybeautifulpodcast at gmail.com. And as Caitlin always reminds you, please put the Stinsons right in the subject line so I do not lose it. Thank you to Rachel's Cookies and Treats for being our most delicious sponsor mm-hmm. ever. And if you love this recap, make sure you leave us an iTunes review because it helps our HB family grow. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen, iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, so you never miss a recap. And we hope you'll come back next episode. Because it's going to be legend. Wait for it. This has been Hey Beautiful with your hosts, Kate Gordon and Caitlin Turner. Our intro-outro music is by Owl All. <laughs>